you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you so much for that rendition of This Is My Prayer for Humanity. It's a powerful song by India Irie. And India Irie is a, very much an ally of unity. I think it's been on the Unity magazine. She you know, writes a very high consciousness song. And I was finding out, looking up her name, Irie actually meant peace and a sense of calm in the midst of all the things that may be going on around us in our world. But that song also is a representation of our possibilities, the possibilities of what we can be when we are at our highest and our best. And we can collectively make it happen by visualizing it, visualizing it for ourselves and for our world, and then taking the appropriate action that supports that which we have visualized in our mind's eye. I shared earlier, in the earlier service, I had read a book many years ago when I was earlier in this work. It was entitled Creative Visualization by the author of Shakti Gawain. And that book came into my life, like many things, at the right and perfect time. It was divinely ordered and divinely timed. And I was starting my life anew at that moment, and I'd just come out of a treatment center after being there for a number of months. And I decided, well, let me check out and see what this Shakti is talking about. I'd never heard anything about her or this work or these ideas. And at that moment, I had moved into a, an efficiency that was pretty bare efficiency. didn't have very much in it. Had the basic furnishing, you know, bed, a dresser, and desk, and refrigerator, perhaps. But by and large, it was pretty much empty. And I decided at that time that, you know, I wanted to furnish it. I wanted to decorate it. I wanted to make it comfortable, make it feel like it was at home. And I didn't have any funds at the moment, but I knew what I wanted. And somehow I was prompted to look around the room at that moment. And like that book suggested, just visualize in your mind everything that you wanted to have in that place in as much detail as possible. And I saw in my imagination uh, the sofa that I wanted, the desk, the chair, you know, the ideal would be for a desk for study and writing and a lamp and rugs and things of that nature. Even the drapes on the windows I was envisioning and even the pictures on the wall. I saw everything in a flash in detail. And then I pretty much forgot about it, went about my business. And then a couple months later, I was 
asking around at the place I was working, did anyone have any furniture they were looking to get rid of? And, and then my, the manager of that store came up to me and said, you know, his sister just passed away and had a whole bunch of furniture that just trying to get rid of. And, and uh, was anybody interested? And I said, yeah, I think I'll check it out. So uh, I did go see it. And to my shock, everything that was there, all the furnishings matched exactly the thing that I had in mind when I envisioned it being uh, refurnished in my apartment. I probably shouldn't have been shocked, but I was. But it gave me an idea of what can happen, because there's a lot of other things going on. I had to release a lot of the past, but it gave me an idea of what can happen when you begin to release the past and open yourself to new possibilities, open yourself to a new future. So that demonstration, that manifestation, in the scheme of things, was a very small event. At the moment, I didn't even know what had happened. I didn't even know how it happened. I began even to question myself, did it really happen or would I have a hallucinogenic flashback through, you know, looking back over the past? But it kept me trying this in many different ways. I you know, when people learn this stuff, they say, well, let me see if I can manifest a parking space and envision that and, you know, all little things like that along the way. But over time, I recognized that there was a very important principle in all of that. Is that the way that we think affects our life. And if we want to experience a new future in any area of our existence or in our world, as Indy Ari is talking about in her song, we have to create it. Someone said that if you want to predict the future, create it. You can predict the future by creating it. And if we're not getting up every single day and making sure that our life is somehow defined and visualizing a future, what happens, we end up living the memories of our past. And we may find ourselves like being one of the character or the character in the movie Groundhog Day. I don't know if you remember the movie Groundhog Day. There was the comedian uh, Bill Murray. He was playing this, uh, I guess it was a cynical television camera of Weatherman, I believe he was at the time. But anyway, the, the, the basis of the movie, among other things, that he was reliving the same day over and over and over again. You get up the next day, same as day as the day before, and the day before that. And now we have this word, Groundhog Day, to, in the English lexicon that basically says it's something that's monotonous, something that's un sometimes unpleasant, but it's definitely a repetitive situation. So if we want to be defined by a vision of the future rather than the memories of the past, we have to think differently. Because if we have new thoughts... We create new choices. And if we create new choices, we begin to create new behaviors. If we create new behaviors, we begin to have different and new experiences that leads to different emotions internally, and it begins to create a cycle of a new future over and over and over again. There's a story of an African prince who was born a hunchback. He had, you know, supposedly a deformity, and he was very bent over and couldn't stand up straight. At least he, at that time, couldn't. And on the prince's 13th birthday, you know, it was, was a kind of a, 
adult passage, a time of passage that he would go through these different rituals. And the father, who had to be the king of the village, asked him, you know, what he would like to receive as a gift at this very special time in his life. And the young prince, he was bent over, you know, because of his deformity. And he was looking up to his, his, his father, the king. And he simply said, I want a statute of myself. Now, the father was a little bit confused by this request. He was also a little concerned because the last thing he wanted to see happen for his son, that he would be mocked by the people in the community, by the people in the village. And he tried to change his son's mind and, and, and said, surely you must want something else. But that young prince was very steadfast and he responded by simply saying, no, I want a statute of me. But I don't want a statute of what I look like right now. I don't want how it appears, how I show up right now. I want a statue garden that I look out every single day. And so the statue was created and completed and every single morning. The little hunchback boy who stood before his likeness that he had in his mind, and he did look at it every single day, and he stretched his body to mimic a six-foot replica of himself. You know, the son of the king did this without fail every day for nearly eight years. And on his 21st birthday, he stood shoulders erect. His eyeball was right at the same level as the eyeballs of the, the statute. And he could look directly in its eyes or his bronze figure of his eyes. And the secret that the prince said that allowed him to do that, he said that as you see yourself, so shall you be. I think those words sum up the law of visualization. And those words are this. The greatest thing is not to set something right. The most important thing is to see it rightly. And the process of visualization is that you have to see, you have to feel the end. And once you see it, you will will that realization in your life. You'll have to get support with the force along the way or God or the universe. It'll help you will it to make it happen. But you must begin to see it first. In other words, once you've conceived deeply or felt deeply something or some experience, you've begun to create the conditions to make that particular result inevitable. The feeling tone is so important. As I always like to say, it don't mean a thing unless you've got that feeling deep within you. This is how visualization works. Now, here's the challenge. Now, we're always using this law of visualization. We may not be aware of it. But sometimes we may be using it negatively. And we ask, oh, how is that? You know, because we're worrying. And worry is based upon the belief that some undesirable condition already exists that we're going to move toward. And the worrier begins to visualize that picture of that undesirable condition in their mind. And they're worrying about it. So they begin to feel it. And they begin to feel that end. And ultimately, they will that realization of that end into their life. That's why in the story of Job in the Hebrew Bible, they talk about that which I fear comes upon me. You know, there was a young, there was a man who was taking care of his elderly mother. She was ailing, unfortunately. 
And he was recapping his experience of him using negative visualization. And he said to me, like, for eight years, I was filled with fear that I was going to lose my source of income and not be able to take care of my mother because of the expenses of the treatments that she needed. And he said, I was in a state of perpetual fear. And I did this for a number of years. And he said, ultimately, it did happen. What I was visualizing, what I was fearing, that source of income being lost, it happened. But he said, fortunately, I discovered something. He discovered that he could reverse that. And the process, as a result of reversing his life, began to get better. He began to get a better place of work. He had more money. He got more opportunities. He had more success. But he acknowledged that the turning point was he learned the great lesson that you and I can creatively misuse this fundamental law of visualization or we can use it in a positive way. You know, I was thinking about putting together this talk. I was talking about all the different techniques of visualization. But I realized as I was going through that there's something that's related to this point, point that's even more important than the techniques, more than the mechanics of visualization. Because some people use vision boards and they put up all the things they want to have in their life. You know, some it's material, maybe it's, you know, things they want, money or health, travel, whatever they happen to be. Some individuals just write out their vision in very details. Uh, some people write what they call, what is my ideal day? Because if you create enough ideal days, you end up having your ideal life. And that's the one I like to use nowadays. I just kind of detail, what do I want when I get up? I could do it every day without any regrets, look forward to it. And this is my ideal day that I could do every day without ever getting tired. So I'm working on that. But the most important thing other than the mechanics of visualization is this. What do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe about ourselves? It's important for you and I to be aware of our self-image, of our self-worth, or our self-value. Because we can never, ever go beyond the limits of our own perception of our self-worth. I believe that's an impossibility. We'll bump up against it every time, no matter how magnificent the vision may be. So we have to ask ourselves along the way, what is my worthiness? What are the boundaries that I've set up when it comes to maybe finances or family or relationships or my friendships? We must ask, how do we value ourselves when it comes to any area of our life? Because it all comes down to our self-value. Because we cannot base our self-value on what other people believe about us in any way, shape, or form. Because, you know, those opinions will come and go. They'll change. You know, I quoted the, the great musician and, and, and producer, Quincy Jones. And he said that not one drop of your self-worth is dependent on the acceptance of anyone but yourself. It was so good, I had to repeat it again. So I'll repeat it again the second service. Not one drop of your self-worth is dependent on the acceptance of anyone but yourself. So the more you work on your self-development, the better life gets in all areas. We cannot create what we visualize for ourselves without a sense of worthiness first. It has to start there. 
And understand that what can be better, you made the image and likeness not of God. What can be better than you can, you don't have to be held hostage to what has ever happened in the past. What can be better that you have the ability to think independent of circumstances and can create a new future regardless of what the circumstances may be at this moment. Understand, we can go through all the motions, use the tools, the techniques, have the perfect vision. You know, like I said, have our vision board. We can have it in a painting and we can even make a movie of it and have all kinds of sound effects and, 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 and whatever. But the more we focus on seeing ourselves valuable, that's the most important thing. How do we see ourselves? The more we uncover that value. And the more value that we uncover in our area of our life, the more that we can express in our life. This is a great lesson for myself. That's why I'm kind of passionate about this. How we see ourselves is the beginning point. I think put another way, how you see yourself as more in order to, we have to, in other words, I think the way, in order to get more, we have to see ourselves more. In order to demonstrate more, we have to see ourselves more. Now, self-value is not so much what we possess. That's the surface stuff. And oftentimes we utilize the, t the teachings and techniques and visualizations because of well, the surface stuff. But that's the, you know, those, you're just skimming the surface. And I always say it's okay because that may be where we're at at any given time in our life. We have to get our structures in order. There's some things that we basically need in order to move forward, but there's always more. It's more about going on the inside because the world is always responding to our emotional states. So our self-value is reflected by how the world is responding to how we feel inside to our emotional as far and our unconscious beliefs. That's where all the power is. I was sharing about a friend that I know, that I've known for a number of years. But when I first knew her, she came to me and he said, Rev, I need you to tell me why things in my life are not working. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, hold up. I ain't the answer man. I don't have any way I can think I can answer that question, but, but tell me more. I'm saying this all to myself. And she said, well, it's about my relationship. And I said, oh, my God, I ain't no relationship therapist. You know, I got somebody I can refer you to. But before I can get it out of my mouth, she wanted to say, well, it's like I'm not good enough to be in one because I always feel like I'm not ready. I don't feel good enough. I keep carrying this belief within me that every time I go out with someone and inevitably ends up, I'm feeling I'm not good enough for that relationship because all I see are my deficits. All I see is what's lacking in my life. What's going on, Rev? Fix my life. And I'm trying to say, I ain't Iyanla Van Zandt. She got her own show called Fix My Life. You need to go see her. She may be able to do that for you. But I was just getting a fire hose of information. And I'm saying to myself, God, please help me. And for some reason, I said, well, here's what I think you might want to consider. You know, this was being channeled at the time. I had to really recap on this. I said, anything that we focus on or we visualize about, anything that we have an emotional attachment to, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, eventually it will come to fruition. 
even if we don't have fully an experience of it in the outside, we'll experience it within the inside of us. So you know that you are a powerful person. You're powerful beyond measure. So when you are emotionally invested and focused on an emotionally charged belief and you begin to hold on to that and attach it to a disempowering story, disempowering stories are when ones that say, I ain't good enough or what's wrong with me. That narrative begins to build. It gets stronger. It gets more intense. And that focus of not being good enough will keep attracting the negative outcome every single time. And you'll have your own groundhog experience for your life. It'll repeat itself over and over and over again. So it's not about what's happening at the moment or what's showing up. That's the after effect. It's the moment. It's about the story that you're telling yourself about yourself that is not True, but as someone said, a lie believed acts as truth until it's neutralized. A lie believed acts as truth until it's neutralized. See, a negative story is as powerful as a positive one, but you don't get the benefits of a positive story. So the question maybe is, is how do we turn that story around? You know, we can't just say an affirmation. Or have the perfect visualization, no matter how good the technique may be. Because, you know, we, you know, affirmations are powerful and good. But, you know, if you got this story going on that's so strong, you look in the mirror and you say, I am a magnificent child of God. And that emotional state will take over and say and give you some feedback. No, you ain't. Sit your butt down. <laughs> See, that positive statement or visualization won't be enough. To counteract the focus of the negative emotion that we may be carrying. So, we, so to create what we want. I think the first thing we have to do is, is really be in a good, positive, emotional state. Emotional place. That's why I was thinking about NDRE's name, which means calm or peace. We have to be in that peaceful, calm, un, that relaxed space. And we have to center. This is why meditation can be so powerful, particularly the mindfulness that, you know, we had that class on it about being able to separate the event and the beliefs that are passing through our awareness and just be still and be in that secret place of the most high. And we can observe the thoughts that are passing through because we know that they're just temporary. And then from that space, from that centeredness, we must be absolutely clear what is it that we want. And then with intention, we put in motion the visualization principle, whatever works for us, whatever tool works for us. And then we can tell that it's, it's, it's what we want because we feel a joy. There's a joy that we feel every time we think about it. Every time we take action in that direction, anytime we begin to visualize it, there's a feeling that takes over us, that uplifts us. Every cell in our body begins to dance. Yes. Here's the thing that you have to want and you have to know. You can have anything, anything that's within the laws of nature. If you focus on it, if you go after it, and if you begin to step up to receive it. 
So I think part of self-value and self-worth is deciding what is it that we want. What is it that we want to do every day? What is that ideal day for me in any area of my life? You have to ask that question. Because I always say that if you don't know what you want, what happens, we end up doing what other people want us to do. And that sometimes will lead us to resentment and unhappiness. And that is no way to live. You know, some people say, you know, I'm confused. I don't know what God wants to do with my life. And I say, please, that is a belief system. That's the real BS. That's a belief system. You know, this excuse that you may use is because you don't want to yield, yield that much power. You don't want to be the great person that we know that the spirit of the living God wants you to be. So you acted confused or you failed to follow on what you visualize because what you think you might lose if you go forward with it. And the dynamic thing is within you waiting to be activated and it's never activated. You know, our world is in a lot of fear. Some of us, not everyone. You know, it's in the air, it's in the consciousness. And if you look at the Internet, oh, my God. People are frightened about everything. Many people then try to find a safe place not to come out anymore. They may look at every, every area of their life. They say things like, oh, you know, I've been hurt. Oh, I lost finances over there. You know, I got hurt in this relationship, so I ain't going to get in one no more. Oh, my body got hurt one time when I went to exercise. I'm not going to stretch no more. Oh, I tried to sing this song and write this song, and people didn't like my song, so I'm not going to do it anymore. People carry all kinds of excuses to hold themselves in. But the key is to make a decision and then visualize, even if you think it's a wrong decision that you've made to go in that direction. Because usually it's nothing more than preparation to the next stage of development in life. Or maybe you just find out what does not work so you can get closer to what does work. You know, when we make a decision, we're making an agreement. We're making a covenant with our higher self and the I am, the power of God, the Christ within, the divine within will show up. The image and likeness of God that we are will show up. And we don't have to. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm not going to make a move till I see a sign. You don't want to wait. If you want to wait for a sign, you might be waiting forever. Signs follow consciousness. They follow the action. They do not precede it. When you make a decision, everything begins to work together for your good. You get the signs to go this way or that way. Serendipitous things begin to happen. Action begins to attract these serendipitous things because you value yourself. You've gotten clarity and you've made a decision. The law of visualization is a powerful part of our teachings. You know, like I said, it's been kind of denigrated because it's been used just for superficial material things, but there's so much more to it. You know, as we heard the words of that song, a prayer for humanity, we realize it's a vision for all of us. And it serves as a reminder that this teaching that we're part of is maturing. It's the teaching of our time. You know, it took a while for it to mature. In the beginning, it was just stretching its legs. And, you know, it was focused on, yes, healing. Maybe healing the body, healing relationships, healing our money, 
getting what we want. It was about visualizing to make things happen, to get what we want. And that's okay. I think, as I always say, sometimes we have to lay the foundation, get the structures in place before the deeper reason why we're here can be expressed. For everything, there is a season. So we're going through a maturation process. But as we examine the challenges of our day, this particular teaching has matured for the crises that we are experiencing today. Because it's going to take a group of people that see and visualize the answer that can literally transform society and our way of being on the planet at this particular time in history. It's maturing now for what we're experiencing now. It's an opportunity for a new birth. It's an opportunity for a new way of being on the planet. We are of the generation that knows it has something to do with the heart. It has something to do with compassion. It has something to do with absolute awareness that the, the artificial lines that create a sense of separation on any level are not significant. They're made up. They are not real. There's only one people here. There's only one planet here. There's only one being here. And we're here to express it in many different ways. This is how the universe, the presence, expresses to a multitude of ways. It expresses its infinitude in that way. So as we look at the headlines and the news, we realize they're here for one purpose. They're telling us what to pray for. There are prayer requests. That's all. They're simply the world's prayer requests. They tell us what to pray for, and when we begin to envision a new possibility, we begin to have ourselves move in that direction. They don't tell us what to think. They don't tell us what opinions that we should have. They tell us what we ought to visualize when we bring ourselves to the highest expression of who we are as expressions of the infinite. And as we pray about that, that becomes our vision. That becomes the tools that we use visualization for so we can anchor on earth the possibilities of the human spirit and be what we are here to be, the full expression of the divine love that we are. So it is. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center